This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. All right, gearheads, welcome to the show. We just watched the Brazilian Grand Prix. Turned out to be a great race, man. I am I, I was a little worried there at the beginning. It started off slow, but it was a great race. This is John Massingill sitting in studio with Les Kaiser. Oh yeah. Yeah, great race, man. Man, that was that was excellent. That was excellent. So who's ever said it was either Brundle or one of the guys, somebody somewhere tweeted or on commentary said that this might be one of those races where we don't have a single DNF. <laughs> Surprise! Whoever, whoever said that, that was their fault, all the crashes. But, man, it uh, it really did turn out to be a really good race. That was. That was excellent. I, you know, the pit strategy came into play. How about Max? Gosh, those were some amazing pit stops. Yeah, him. yeah. And you know what? Max Verstappen wins the race, of course. And it was, it was truly a team effort because he had a 1.9 pit stop. And then he had another Twice. 1.9, yeah. and then he had a 2.3. 2.2, yeah. 2.2, yeah. So he had, it was obviously a team effort. And then uh, Albon did some good work for him behind him uh, up until the very end of the race. But, but man, what, uh, what, a, what a great day for Max. What a. Oh, especially after the help from Williams. Yeah, yeah. In the pit lane. Yes, that's true. We got to talk about that, too. Yeah, there's plenty to talk about the Brazilian Grand Prix. So uh, let me just look and see if we can run down the hole. So Max Verstappen wins. But one of my favorite stories, Pierre Gasly in second. How about that? Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lewis Hamilton, Carlos Sainz in fourth, started at the very back, finishing fourth. Yeah. Then Kimi Raikkonen in fifth, Giovinazzi in sixth. Ricardo, uh, after crashing with... Uh, Magnuson early in the race ends up at seventh. Lando Norris in the points at eighth. Perez and Daniel Kvyat in the points also. That's nice at tenth. And then Magnuson right outside the points. George Russell, Grosjean in thirteenth. Albon in fourteenth. Hulkenberg and Kubica. And then DNFs were Vettel, Leclerc, Stroll, and Botas. There's so much to talk about in this race. Yeah, really, a, a quite a collection of things going on. And and the biggest Ferrari coming together oh my and gosh. going to pieces. <laughs> and you know, um, so if, if you were listening on the radio, but Sebastian Vettel and Leclerc right towards the end of the race with Lap what, 66. Yep. Five laps to go. Um, they were, Le, Le, Vettel was in front. Leclerc comes around with DRS and, and, and they just barely touched just a tiny bit. Yeah. And turns out that was enough to, cut Leclerc's tire and then Vettel also I mean they both went out and it was like you're going no not again Ferrari please please not again to me uh in looking at it here's the way I'll I'll describe it to you if you didn't see this is that uh, Leclerc's on the left Vettel's on the right they're coming through and what happens is Leclerc does come somewhat wide out of the curve he still left room though for Sebastian Vettel Sebastian Vettel managed to get by him. And then to me, Vettel kind of was doing, you know, one of those freshman in high school flinches that he was going to flinch at Leclerc. He, he had was, no reason to move to the left, but yeah. he did it probably intending to clear him to, uh, you know, be clear of it. But he wound up just tipping that front right tire. Both of them lost tires out of that. Yeah. And it was the tiniest, tiniest little touch. I really didn't. When I saw it live, I thought I didn't think there was any gonna, anything going to come of it. But man, uh, yeah, it turns into a giant mess with Ferrari once again. And there was a, a here's a, a tweet from uh, from Ferrari showing Vettel with his hands on his eyes, with the tractor in the background. It's just perfect yeah. for their <laughs> for the. Uh, it sums up the race for Ferrari. And you yeah. know, I saw Bonato leaving. Oh, he just yeah. 
They just right away stepped down from the perch and walked away. Well, my work's done today. Yeah, that was pretty uh, pretty crazy. But but Max drove a fantastic race today. I mean, how many times did he pass Hamilton in this race? Absolutely. How many times? I must have been what yeah, three, I, I four times. I could not tell you, but that was fantastic to see that coming through so clearly. I, gosh, Max was on fire today. Max was on fire. That's it. And, yeah. uh, you know, deservedly. So, you know, the, uh, the pit lane incident with Kubica. Yeah. Yeah. Kubica got a penalty and I disagree with this situation. Um, absolutely. His car interfered with Max's car, but. In that situation, when you are released from the pit box, it is your team that is releasing you. You're taking your directions directly from them, and he's not you know, looking for the mirrors. He's not doing any of that, 100% dependent on the pit crew. He's waved out and pulls out right in front of Max, squeezes him, and yet he gets a 10-second penalty. I felt it was unfair for the driver to face that. I'd rather seen a dollar figure applied to the team for a penalty. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know why you're saying it. And by the way, this was early. This was the first pit stop for Max. This was in, on lap 23 when this happened. Max had the 1.9. It was perfect. It was the only way he was going to uh, keep the position with Hamilton coming up behind him. And then this happens. But you know what? He, he does have mirrors. He did, you know, He's the one driving the car. And I think that there True. ought to be... I mean, th there's got to be some responsibility there. Yeah, the, the team's the one releasing him. But, I mean, he to me, it looked like he saw him. He came way over and, and then moved back. So, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm going to – I don't know. But that was just that was just one little element of a, of a bunch of stuff in this race. Very true. I Very mean, true. I loved all the, uh, the passing that Verstappen did, but there was lots of passing throughout the race. It was great. And how many people did not finish? So, one, two, three, four. Four. So Botas, yeah, and Botas went out with a rare mechanical failure for Mercedes. Yeah. And the way that played out was interesting that uh, we saw it probably half a lap ahead of time, smoke coming out of the bank, the back end of the car, and saw that. Yet he continued to drive. He did manage to get into a, a section where he could pull off the course safely. If only he could have gone probably another. 50 feet and turned in. I don't think there would have been any reason for the safety car. You know, it was tough because he parked in a pretty good spot, right? He yeah. tried to get, he moved over. He had enough momentum or enough engine power or whatever to get over and to get right in front of one of the brakes in the fence, right? Where you yep. basically, you just pull over right in front of it and you could have just either pushed him back or pulled him back with the crane and pulled him back in there. But it was, I mean, it was close enough where I, I thought maybe they, the stewards were going to try to push the car, but I guess in the grass, it's probably not going to going to happen. But uh, and by the way, if you want to give us a call, call five one two six four three five four eight three and join the conversation. And we do have a caller. We got George from Virginia. Hey, George, what do you think of today's race? Well, um, a couple of things. I think that I think Ferrari has some deep seated problems, um, but that, um, that's nothing new. Yeah. Haas, woof. Grosjean, you know, he's started well and faded. I'm happy for Gasly for a lot of reasons. I'm, I'm very happy he's on the podium. And, I mean, you know, it may not be the way he wanted to get there, but he got there. Yep. I think Lewis, I think Lewis sort of, he he didn't bring his Super A game. I don't know if it was him on the car. Um, Verstappen was on another level right now. He was he was Kyrie Irving. And, yeah. And, um, and, and Lewis was uh, injured. LeBron. I mean, he was just for stopping. Everything fell into place. I mean, you just see. One thing about for stopping. This is me talking. I think he's sort of embracing this bad boy, you know, role, so to speak. So I don't know how enduring he is to people outside of the Netherlands. Um, he, his personality is sort of standoffish, but he's an incredible driver. Good call. He is an he's an incredible driver. This was. This was a, it was a good race and it was a bad race because, I mean, I always thought of Formula One where the, they had the best crews. They, you know, mistakes were minimal. Mm -hmm. You know, they left the data, but I, I just saw little mistakes. I saw, but you know, humans are gonna make mistakes and that's life and this is racing. 
and I, I just can't. It, it was sort of like what the season was. It was predictable, yet it was unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And and this is what you have. But I mean, I'm seeing a changing of the guard. But Leclerc is going to have to. I think maybe he came back to earth last few races. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking that too. That he hadn't not. He really at one point he was like he's going to embarrass Vettel for the rest of the season. But Vettel's redeemed himself to some degree. And you know, you were talking about uh, the Haas team. And yeah, I mean, we knew that this was going to happen, though. They they can't control the temperature in the tires. We knew that was going to happen. And you talk about Hamilton. By the way, Hamilton apparently has has admitted uh, responsibility for hitting Albon. I, I don't know, man. I after watching that, I think that that Hamilton. Y- you can't give any race driver that window that Albon did. It was too way too big. And maybe you know, and then Albon turned into him. I don't, I don't know. What, what do you think about that particular incident, George? I want to hear what they have to say. You know, when some time passes, because sometimes when it's so close to the incident, emotions are getting into it. But he knew better than that. I don't want to say that was a bush league move, but that was something I thought he was above doing, and I, I didn't care for that. I got to see how the, the I got to see how the team spin it because you look at the Twitter feeds and stuff. That's sort of after the moment, maybe if I go back an hour or two and see what the stewards and you know all of that and all that data comes in, it'll be maybe I can kind of quantify it better. But just off the surface of what I saw, I didn't like. I did not like what I saw. Um, but this is one of those races, gentlemen. I mean, I, I mean, I've said this before in this show. I hate Hockenheim, and I don't like Brazil <laughs> as, as a race. You know, because it's just it's just one of those things and. But this kind of showed me that um, human, they're still human, yeah. and you can put all you put all the racing aids and what whatnot into the into the system, but human error is still going to play a part, and that's what we saw today. Well, I I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you a little bit because I I don't know if it's just because of the history with it and the, the passion of the fans. I I look forward to Brazil. Maybe you're right, and and it is being. Some of the challenges that has such a short track and quick lap times and all that, but I I do look forward to it. But uh, well, well, George, thanks for the input, buddy, and thanks for calling in. Thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. All right, take care, Noah. Take care. Yeah, always great to hear from George. He's got uh, a real good like business sense, and it it almost sounds like he's been in a racing garage at times. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think, Les? I mean, I think Verstappen, deserving winner, no doubt. Yes. I think he's, I mean, actually, you know, if you think about the weekend, he's probably the strongest driver across both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, but, you know, there was there was plenty of racing and behind that. But uh, what do you think about Hamilton's race overall? Hamilton, uh, you know, did very well. I think emotions got to him. I think at this point in the season, I mean, manufacturers, championship and the driver's championships already done he, he could he could stay in bed for the rest of the season <laughs> but i also wonder if the pressure's not a little off he's a little more willing to take some chances and play with things such as making that pass on the inside where he you know three races ago he probably wouldn't have taken that shot hmm. this one i already got it i'll take a shot at this let's go you know I'm playing with somebody else's money at this point and I think so, my, I'll go ahead, finish. I, I feel like that's a situation. My heart breaks for, you know, my new best buddy, Alex Albon, but, uh, that he got hit so hard that he was out of the, out of the race. You know what? I think maybe my favorite moment of the race was watching the drag race at the end with Gasly and yeah. Hamilton. I swear. I, I was like, did Hamilton just let him win that? But uh, we got a caller on the line, another caller. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to say maybe he did let him go because he didn't want to have two incidents in such short time. I don't know. I don't know. It, Let's see you, what can't our ever, you can't ever imagine a race driver doing that, but it may, maybe with Hamilton, his, as, the way he is. But we got a caller. We got Andy P. Andy, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, guys. Wasn't that fun? That, oh, my gosh. That was fun. That... And I'll tell you something else that was fun. I got to shake Andy P's hand in Austin, Texas uh, at the USGP, oh, buddy. That's right, yeah. Great to meet you in person. It, it was great to meet you guys. Uh, thanks to you guys for putting that together. Will was awesome. He signed my book. He gave me a good 10 minutes worth of his time, and he was there for 
you know, you were there for the whole night. So, I mean, that was, it was a, it was a great opportunity. And I thank you guys for putting that together. Oh yeah. And that was at uh, winding road racing, uh, mm-hmm. short version. They have some signed books left there. Check your regional area for winding road for Will Go Buxton's book. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was good. But, uh, okay. So we were just, Andy, when you called, we were just talking about the drag race at the end, Gasly holding on for second ahead of Hamilton, when I saw it, just in the moment, I thought, did Hamilton let up a little bit? Did he let him win? I can't imagine that. What do you think? You're never going to take a result away from a race driver. <laughs> um, you're you're going to put that th- pedal to the floor and go for it throughout uh, the rest of that lap. Um, I was watching. I found a, a, a Chicago watch party up here, and when that was going on, the entire place was screaming and yelling. So it was <sighs> awesome. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I really do. I, I mean, there was really a ton of stuff to get excited about in that race, but I think that was my favorite moment to see hey, Gasly. I, I got to ask. I'm... And the reason I say that also because we've got to spend a lot of time with Gasly because we put together a trip to NASA for a bunch of the F1 drivers. I say a bunch. It was it was Gasly and Conviat and Kevin Magnuson came along. Gasly and Conviat were is kind of the official. They had the F1 TV crew there with them. And but Magnuson came along just because he wanted to, but we got to meet both Gasly and uh, and Kvyat and spend the day with them. And the coolest thing was Andy is that our tour guide through NASA. It wasn't the intern. It wasn't the, the you know whatever. It was two astronauts, and we we got to do the wow. we got to do the behind the scenes tour for these F one drivers and and Gasly and Kvyat were just nice and humble uh and and seeing gasly get second today man that is so cool because and, and by the way gasly's reaction to the to the uh, tour at f1 we asked him we said what did you think about this you know it's pretty probably pretty hard to impress a formula one driver and he said this is the greatest thing i've ever done <laughs> i'm going wait a minute this is an f1 driver because he got to talk to the astronauts on the space station live from the mission control desk on the big video thing with a phone. It was amazing. Hey, so I got oh, I gotta that. jump back to Andy made a comment blowing by, and I know it wasn't the focus of his comment, but you mentioned the Chicago F1 watch party. Where do they get together and watch? It's a bar up on the north side of town and it's called the Reveler. So the if Reveler. Listening, shout out to those guys. Way to go. Way to go, guys. And this is what we need. We need watch parties in every city. Okay, every major city. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's not major, we're probably not calling it a city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, hey, we'd love to hear from the watch parties. Let us know where y'all are gathering up, and uh, let's get you on this. So what else today, Andy? What do you think overall? Oh, there's so many layers to it. I mean, from the mismanagement of the Ferraris to drivers punting each other off of the track to hang on just a second, we may not – the results are not necessarily yeah. in. We may have a McLaren podium coming. And I am watching the uh, Twitter for Facebook. I mean, for uh, Formula One, to, I'm watching for those alerts, folks. I'll let you know as soon as that shows up. I, I think everybody knows how we feel about that ridiculousness. I'm like, yeah. come on, guys, let's make a decision and let's don't. But waiting till after the race and I mean, every other sport, you just do it. You make the call and you live with it. Let's do this. Let's don't drag this out. This is insane. I agree. You know, I think it ought to be limited so that, you know, it, it's got to be decided within a a very brief time frame. Yeah. Got to be. You get three minutes. (laughs) And your precedent was set earlier in the race. It seemed like it was the exact same penalty. And I forget who the driver was. Um, I think that Ricardo got early on. It Mm -hmm. seemed like the exact same move. Yeah. 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 It was. You're right. I think it was the exact same. That was with Magnuson. And good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, And yeah, you've already said it in the same race. You know what to do. I know that I can just see these guys all hand-wringing going, well, this is going to affect the podium and all that. But, you know, we've talked about this before on the show. It's like, just make your call, live with it, and move on. Because we can't, you know, we we, we talked about how American fans are not going to like this. You know, we're used to seeing the NFL and all that. But anyway, it was, uh, it's, uh, we're, we don't like that. We need, to, we need for them to make a call. But, but man, there was a ton to to like about this race to watch and, and think back because, you know, Albon uh, setting himself up for his very first podium now finishes 14th. And I mean, I'm looking at through the uh, through the final numbers here. And I mean, look, we had we had some some guys finishing the top that uh, 
that we wouldn't have expected. I mean, I know Andy. I know that's. I know you're a McLaren fan, but uh, what do you think about where I mean, some of these guys finished? I mean, their, their race went, you know, up and down throughout the whole rest of, of, of the day, and and it really turned. The whole race turned on that safety car, and 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 frankly, that was a surprising call to me too, because where he had parked, I, I figured it might be a virtual safety car. And I know we all don't really like those, yeah. but. You know, it was it was interesting that they put a whole full safety car, and that threw all the strategy went out the window, and then it was just a sprint to the finish. So, I, I tweeted out in something that I hope got out, where I said just race of the year, because this one I think beats beats the uh, because it was dry beats Germany. Mm, okay, yeah, yeah. If you take that, if you take that as part of your criteria, taking out the wet, I kind of hard kind of hard to argue with it, because I mean, really, Andy, at a good twenty laps in, I was like, Ooh, this is going to be not a not a, a it's going to be a snoozer i was really expecting that and you know you kind of get to the last couple of races after the championship been decided and you think that may happen but but i agree i think it was a great race well andy we got to take a break buddy thanks for calling in we appreciate it as always and we'll talk to you soon sounds good thanks again you guys did a great job at coda and we'll talk to you later all right thanks, thanks. buddy take care all right we're gonna talk more about that uh coda american race here so stick with us through the break listen to speed city live from austin back after these messages As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on TuneIn. go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening austin's talk 1370 hi this is max steppen and you're listening to speed city welcome back to the fastest hour in radio speed city all right, producer, you get a gold star on your chart for today for pulling up that Max Verstappen bumper. Ha-ha! <laughs> ah, that's great. Uh, I'm looking through social media on uh, with the hashtag, of course, of uh, Brazil EP. Mario Andretti says, wow, comma, who said F1 is predictable? Brazil Grand Prix, absolutely epic. Huge congrats to Max Verstappen Red Bull Racing. Well-deserved victory. Uh, Tony Kanan says, hey, F1, give Interlagos a lifetime contract. What a race. Yeah. Wow, wow, Sounds wow. Good. Sounds great. You yeah. know what? Uh, so, driver of the day, I'm assuming everybody, it's going to be Max, right? They showed the stats earlier uh, on F1's Twitter. They're saying Max was, in, uh, you know, leading the poll. Yeah. But I got another argument for you for driver of the day. I'm going to throw Alex's name in that. Well, okay. But what about the guy who started last? Uh... Carlos Sainz finished fourth 
maybe third, depending on what the tune in Tuesday. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. So um, yes, Carlos Sainz could easily have been my choice for driver of the day after that. I mean, I mean, I know it's a little bit shaken up, but that's still pretty cool that you started last and and move all the way up to fourth and not driving a Ferrari or a Red Bull or Mercedes. So, yeah, Uh, we have uh, another caller, by the way, if you want to join the conversation, 512-643-5483. We have Larry from Illinois. Hey, Larry, how's it going, buddy? Oh, I got to tell you, it don't get much better than Brazil. (laughs) It it does. Is is there something in the water down there (laughs) that doesn't give you the green apple high steppers that gives you like a for a 120 pound driver to have 115 of it in his right foot? I just. (laughs) I'm writing this down. Green apple high steppers. <laughs> All righty. No, man, Larry, I'm with you. I'm I'm with you. I uh, I think it was a great, great entertainment, great racing, and and I don't know that maybe just something about a great race at a venue like that. And you know, and Larry, I spent a lot of time uh, watching and learning the track, the nuances of it this weekend, watching lots of onboards, and. And man, that just made it even better for me. Because I, I, I was watching some of the historic, you know, the 08, you know, craziness there and everything. But uh, but I'm glad to, to hear you say that about it because I love this race. It really was. I mean, Honda's got to be on an unbelievable high right now. I mean, to, to absolutely stay with Ferrari on the straightaway. I mean, not Ferrari. Stay with, with the Mercedes on the straightaway. Yeah. And 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 they and, and the Mercedes power they can't touch that Honda. Honda's come a long way with double the feedback by supplying the two teams, and and then for Hamilton to punt Albon, I mean you can't call anything else. Just that punt to them. Yeah. And and then no penalty really. It's I, not I think Tuesday they were right yet. on the broadcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's not Tuesday yet. Well, they're, they're still in decision. It'll be after the race. <laughs> Yeah, but they, but it, were it like they said, the only the midfielders and the and the back markers get instant justice. Yeah, I mean, they just you know for have it you know before the lap is even decided, oh five second penalty. But if you're a, like in NASCAR, Earnhardt never was called to the NASCAR trailer. But if you touched him, you got called. And yep, the, the haves and the have-nots. There, there's no better illustration of the the privilege of a of a premier top tier team. Vice everybody else. I just wonder: is it that, or is it because it has podium implications? I don't know. I, I just I don't like it, but maybe that's part of what is what's going on there. Well, if you're a top tier team and you punch somebody for a podium, hey, that's just racing. Well, no, yeah, isn't. yeah. Sorry, I I was just referring to the fact that they haven't brought the penalty down yet. But yeah, I, yeah, I agree. But what do you think about the fact you- that? That that uh, that Albon just left the door wide open because he did absolutely do that. I was mystified by his actions, just having fresh softs, and then just ah, uh, go ahead, mm-hmm. take it. Uh, no, you have to defend your position. Yeah, he's entitled to the racing line. He's entitled to every inch of that racing line, and he should have took it with full elbows out instead of just setting it up there to be punted like that. That's just nutty. You have the racing line. He had that Honda power. He had racing line. He should have defended like crazy. And maybe that's a lack of maturity on his part, you know, with a lack of experience on his part. Do you think he was intimidated by Hamilton? Yeah, yeah. It kind of felt like that. Yeah. And I could. I was already when the, before that happened. I was picturing the you know the the pic the photo of Verstappen and Albon coming across the finish line, going, you know, that that Red Bull tweets out, and and here is our twenty twenty. You know, line up, ready, you know, starting off right, and boom, that happened. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it really was too bad. I mean, for a Honda, to, you know, we're looking at the possibility of a one, two, three. You know, they were salivating. But then to allow the Toro Rosso to get the second because of the incident was phenomenal. And they had to be just re- you know, so, so much redemption for Honda at that point. And then, you know, to have the McLaren running up that high, it really was a weird, weird race. And... I, I think F1 needs more of that. I really do think they need more of that. Yes, I think everybody would agree with that. And, you know, but it also does show you, you know, we, we sit there and talk about the tight midfield, but it is so, so tight that when you get a mix-up like this, you pull out, you know, well, okay, so the end of the race, you have no Ferraris up there. You have one Mercedes missing. 
and then you lose one of the Red Bulls, there's no telling what that that lineup from that point on is going to look like. So it's not really that surprising to see, because if you look behind the the big th- big three, you know you've got so Gassi finished second, Sainz finished fourth, Raikkonen fifth, Giovinazzi sixth, Ricardo seventh, and Norris eighth. You know, all those cars have been running in qualifying and in the races so close together, just, a, you know, a tenth of a second, and they're all bunched up in there. So you take out those Ferraris, you take out the Red Bull, and you take out the Mercedes. Yeah, this is what it's going to look like. Right, and Ferrari's an entirely different conversation. The Tifosi have got to be beside themselves just over what had happened with that. They've got to be just going crazy to see Vettel pull a stunt like that and just... I have no idea what's going on over there. I, I really, truly don't. I, I'm mystified by Ferrari right now. The, the, the pit call, the mistakes, the, the driving by Vettel, because he had his shots to move. He had his shots to, to move up and didn't get it done, and he, he allows his teammate a shot at it. He owes his teammate a shot at it, and his teammate takes it to give it a go. Fresh tires. Get out of the way. And then he has to pull the – Stunt like that to take them both out. Like, how dare you pass me? I'm a world champion, you rookie. I'm mystified mystified by Ferrari's actions. Entire season. Ferrari's been an enigma wrapped in a riddle. (laughs) You know, the... If if Jonathan Green were here today, he's down in Macau doing that Grand Prix down there, but he... uh, They're all finished up, by the way, but he... He's been saying, he said, this is just a lack of leadership Ferrari, and it's not a new thing. And, And... the team has to come first, and that's such a ridiculous thing to do to destroy the the entire team's efforts. I mean, think about going back to the garage now. Everybody in the – well, like Bonato leaving the wall and just going, yeah, yeah I'm, you know, what am I going to do? Because I don't want to see – I don't want to see Vettel's face. Freshen up your resume. <laughs> yeah. Well, just uh, egos have to be taken out of it at some point. Egos have to be held in check. Because that's just pure ego, pure ego. How dare you pass me? Who the heck are you to pass me? And at that he, he has to be pulled up short just for his own good because he's not helping himself. You realize how any team, without regard to his resume, who wants, like, almost shades of Alonzo, who wants that ego to have to deal with it? It's just not worth it. Yep. They don't need the disruption. They don't need the tension on the team. It's just not worth it. So you just cut your losses and run. He, he has to be told, you're only hurting yourself. Calm down. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I realize the ego is what makes him great. The ego is what makes him get to that level. But it has to be under control. Like, I, I got to believe that Hamilton punting Albin was pure ego on his part. I'm not going to finish second to this guy. What is he insane to think he can outrun me? I don't know. You know what I, I'm I do, and I think you're absolutely right. They got to have. They have to have ego and confidence, and they got to keep it in check. I, I don't know. I I think I'm going to disagree with you on the the Hamilton one, but again, like like you said, it it's just right after the race. I got to see it a few more times and see. But to me, I, and I'm I'm probably not far off from you, Larry. I felt like Hamilton had nothing to lose. He wasn't going to win any more than he already has won the season and the manufacturers championship. You know, maybe some pocket change put in the red jet. But, you know, <laughs> he's just kind of done and playing and working his way through the remainder of the season. Well, we got to go to break. But, Larry, think about it. We had chaos. We had a strategy, crashes, controversy. And, I mean, really, maybe maybe one of the best races of the year. Larry, thanks for calling in, buddy. We appreciate it. And we appreciate you listening. Yeah, no problem. And I hope it gets to the point that when you buy an F1 ticket or you turn it on the radio or turn it on television, you have no idea what you're going to see. Yep. And that's what's best for that series. I appreciate you guys. You're very generous with your time. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Larry. Larry. Take care. Yeah, he's exactly right. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back from Austin, Texas after these messages.
Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Austin's Talk 1370. So Hi guys, this is Craig Astley, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, that was Pierre Gasly bringing us back. Yeah, another good guy. Yeah, and not a bad day to finish second. Yeah, you got it. Uh, let's see. I want to, our, our caller at the end was saying something about um, what he wants is to not know who's going to win the race on Thursday or Friday, right? Or Saturday. And we got to interview the the chairman and CEO of Formula 1 Chase Carey here in Austin exclusive interview. We got to go up into the belly of the beast at Coda and interview with Chase Carey. Sat in his office. Jeez. Yeah. How cool it, is that? That was pretty cool. And um and he had a we had, one of the questions we asked him was about making F1 more competitive. And um, and he really addressed Larry's question directly. So let's hear from Chase Carey. I mean, I think realistically, um, we still have a situation, you know, where essentially there are three teams that are competing for podiums out of ten. And you, you know, I think in sports, it's important that the underdog has a chance to win. Um, and uh, so I agree with you. I think really since Austria on, which was the race after France. Um, you know, we've had much better competition on the track, and we've had some fascinating races, some really exciting races, and uh, some races that really went right down to the wire, which is what you want. Um, but yeah, I still think we can make it, um, you know, there's room to really continue to improve it and make it even more exciting and even more dramatic for fans. And, um, and a big part of that is, again, you know, trying to, uh, you know, enable us to, you know, to, you know, to maintain that uh, ability to have cars that, you know, have something distinct, something unique, because um, this is, you know, it's a big team there. It's not uh, the drivers are the ultimate heroes, but um, certainly the team behind them um, is critical to it. Yep, that's what this is. All these 2021 rules, all this discussion. Yep. I mean, it's funny, right leading up to that question, I asked Chase Carey, I said, uh, you know, I was talking about the new rules, and I was saying, man, we've had some great racing. And he alluded to that. I just said, we've had some fantastic racing this season. and uh, But that's his response. But today is another example. Yes, we don't have all these changes, but once again, we've had a fantastic race this season. I mean, the, and as a, when we go back and look at seasons as a whole, <laughs> it's probably the biggest turn from super boring for a few races to really amazing. So as a whole, it's going to be one of the better seasons for sure. I agree. I agree. It's it's coming around, and yeah, we had some sleeper of races early on, but uh, I I think we're on the right trajectory. I mean, I'm I'm cheering for Liberty Media and Formula One Management to continue what they're doing. They're discovering different ways to manage this, and you know, it's it's hard to put some control mechanisms in to Formula One and not stifle the creativity, the development of new technologies, things like that. So I I get. That's a that's a tough road to hoe and and balance in those two approaches. Yep, it's uh, it's going to be really interesting to watch and see what happens here. But um, let's go back to today's race just a little bit more, and then we've got some other clips and, and we want to talk about Austin. But so I don't think we have an answer yet from Formula One. No, we do not yet. Nope, have not seen it. Still but, watching. Yep, and um, 
I mean, one of the, one thing we really haven't talked about is uh, Raikkonen finishing fifth, Giovinazzi sixth. We, I mean, we touched on it, but we haven't really. That's pretty. That's pretty cool too. Yeah, yeah, very cool, very cool. It's really been good. Uh, <laughs> no new tweet, but not. Yeah, I know we're waiting on that. It's not going to happen right now, but. Well, you know what, Les, let's talk about Austin because we we did our broadcast from Dakota, but we didn't really get to talk about everything that happened that weekend. And Yeah, it was a huge weekend, sold-out crowd for Saturday and Sunday, uh, really good racing once again. I think Austin has proven once and time and again that it's you're going to get good racing here. Uh, it's not the best race of the season like you potentially could have contended last year, but it was really good racing, and Austin has really embraced it. And I think that the drivers, quite honestly, are falling in love with Austin as a community and the hill country here. Uh, it's really neat to see as they get out and experience things and they see Texas for what it is, and especially central Texas, uh, live music and things like that. It, uh, I'm just really happy to see it. We've kind of got over the glitz and glam parties to a degree, and now these folks are settling in and being welcomed just to come see Austin for what it is. Yeah, and I touched on earlier, we got to hang out with some of the drivers, and we got to interview most of the drivers. And, man, the one thing that was really surprising, it was crazy cold on the first Thursday here in Austin. It was like, I think the high was in the low 40s. Poor Carlos Sainz. (laughs) (laughs) He was, uh, all he had was the team kit, and that wasn't nearly enough to keep him warm all the time, so he couldn't hide as he went out in, in town because he had the brightly colored team kit jacket at all times yeah that's what he said all that's all that he brought but it was also pretty cool because here in austin we had um we had tony stewart and he brought a brought a little nascar oh, yeah yeah and, and and the haas boys and tony all were taking some trips around uh around circuit of the americas and we've got a clip now you got this clip together Les. is this tony when he talks about about maybe a little nascar racing right, yeah. at coda and so uh Basically, yeah, it was uh, it was great because he had just got out of his car just a little bit before that. All right, well, let's go ahead and play this clip. This is uh, Tony Stewart at Circuit of the Americas. You know, we had Kurt Busch here, and he ran and swapped cars with James Courtney, Australian V8 supercar racer. When he got out, uh, when Kurt got out, he was just like raving. He goes, I want to bring everybody back here. Uh, is that a, is this track good for a car? from NASCAR? Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, this venue would put on a good NASCAR race as far as the road course side. So, uh, you know, everybody goes, well, would they take one away from Texas Motor Speedway? That would not be the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's I think there's other tracks on the schedule that I think I would take a race away from uh, before I would take away one from Texas Motor Speedway. I think Eddie Gossage and his staff do an awesome job, and it would be an injustice to do that to bring a race here. But um, I would say this is a great venue after running today. It's the, the fun part is there's I feel like there's at least five very solid passing opportunities per lap here, which is more than adequate. Um, but most of all, it's a very technical racetrack, and that's the part that, uh, for me as a driver, that I would I would look forward to competing at a place like this because of that. I mean, that's it. it you obviously your cars have to be right, but it, when there's a lot of opportunity for the driver to really make the difference at this track, and that's something that as a as a race car driver I enjoy. Favorite spot. All of it. <laughs> it. It really, every bit of it was was fun. I mean, uh, the thing that I've never seen, and I, you know, in my racing career, I raced go karts on road courses, obviously, and and you know, there's obviously Sonoma and Watkins Glen, but uh, the the two sections that have S's in it, it's just, it's both both of those sections are extremely busy, and especially the first section after turn one. Once that set of S's start, and I think it's four set of you know right left S's. Every set gets tighter and tighter and tighter. I mean, that last set is the tightest set, but it's each set gets tighter and tighter, and that speed's slower and slower. So it, it's just really technical in how you set up for each of those, and with the elevation change, the blind corners. Um, but then you get to after the, the long back stretch, and you get into the back section of, of the S's. Uh, it's not even so much that it's the S's, but it's what you find back in that section is that it's multiple apexes. It's two and three apex corners. A um, couple sections where those apexes are uh, decreasing radius and, and increasing radius. So it, there's a lot of 
whoever designed it, the the, um, the designer, I thought was pretty brilliant in how they designed this course. That that, that would have been the world champion motorcycle racer Kevin Schwantz mm -hmm. and well, who else? Immediately that explains why <laughs> this is as good a circuit as it is. I I've known Kevin a long time and uh, I. That does not surprise me that, that Kevin had his hand on this because it's, it's, uh, you know, it, Kevin's all. I mean, obviously his stats speak for themselves, but it 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 just shows that his respect of what what racers really appreciate and like, and that's you know, like we said, I mean, he knows that bike setups are important, but you know, even for a four wheel car, and he he had his his term in four wheel cars as well. I mean, he understands that when you can put the the when you put that extra little bit in the driver's hands so the drivers can make the difference that that means the world so uh, that now that all makes a lot of sense on why this track is as spectacular as it is yeah tavo hellman was the other gentleman that i was reaching for in my mind when we were talking to tony stewart so kevin schwantz and tavo hellman helping design coda but yeah tony we love it let's have uh, formula one let's have indycar let's have nascar let's bring back WEC, bring back imsa uh, man, what about yesterday at Coda? We had 24-hour series racing. It's, we had uh, yeah, I was running today. Austin, Texas, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. We had you could watch Coda for most of the day yesterday live on YouTube because there was a was radical racing in the morning and yep. then 24 hours all day into the night. And yeah, how about a little NASCAR to throw in the in the mix? Couldn't hurt. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it. I think it'd be great. I really do like the the opportunities that coda presents with these uh with the different racing bodies coming through and they're not just the big ones you hear the track is busy so often i know and, and that is true now that's a lot, a lot of people don't even realize it's busy almost i mean almost every day of the year now it seems like there's something going on there. all right well let's take our last break and when we come back we'll talk we'll talk a little bit about the new ford versus ferrari movie too because we got to go see this friday night listen to speed city we're live in austin back up these messages Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company, born, bred, and brewed in Texas. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Okay, so you're Pierre Gasly. You've gone to the celebration afterwards, and somebody who didn't see the race says, how'd it go today? And he goes, yeah, no big deal. I just beat Lewis Hamilton for a drag race down the last straight to take second place in the race. <laughs> Gasly, he's just... He finally gets a good, you know... Something to hang his hat on. Oh my gosh, hang his hat on. This is like, I mean, yeah. Uh, this is this is so cool for him. I'm so excited. I, I really, uh, and like I said, because we got to know him, I think it's more fun. But Sure. Hey, we got to see the new Ford versus Ferrari movie. And I, um, I, I not, this is Friday night. We got, we actually got to, pretty cool. We got to see it 
sitting next yeah. to a Lamal winner, Price Cobb. Yeah, we, so uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was great. You know, uh, Speed City emceed two different events this weekend, private events, and uh, you know, both of them were fantastic to have an audience there. The thing that I took away from both events, there were typically guys that brought their wives or significant other who were marginally interested in racing. And uh, one of them yesterday, in yesterday's event, I specifically went over because I knew she had next to zero interest in racing. And what I asked her, I said, what do you think of the movie? And she was like, oh, it's actually a lot better than I expected. The acting was really good. Matt Damon and, you know, Christian Bale. She said, but the story was really good. And I was like, excellent. That's what I wanted to hear. You know, I, I did, it did cross my mind right after the movie ended because I was like, okay, it was a near religious experience for me <laughs> because it was, you know, it was Ford versus Ferrari, the story. I saw you outside smoking a cigarette. But... <laughs> the, this, you know, it was just amazing, but I, uh, I did have, uh, some friends this weekend, actually my brother and his girlfriend went and saw it and she called me from the car on the way back on Saturday night and was like, oh, I loved it. This is a great movie. And I just checked on Rotten Tomatoes and it's a 92% positive on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty good. But the movie itself, you know, you know the story better than me. Of course, I know the basic sure. story really well and it seemed very accurate to me, really accurate. I don't know if it was flawless though. Do you? Sure. Uh, you know, I'll say as many times as I've read this story, it I could say it's very accurate to the the variety of versions of the story I've heard. Uh, you know, it's hard to hard to press what happened in that room with Enzo Ferrari and what was actually said, and if there were actually hand gestures or or what have <laughs> you. But uh, very accurate in it, uh, all the way down to the end with uh, Ken Miles losing. Yeah. The uh, the. The, what the, was thought the to be a win. win yeah and uh but at least that hey even back then they decided it right then they called it there you go exactly <laughs> we could do it in they 66. didn't wait till tuesday <laughs> to give us the 68 you know the, the answer but uh you know it was really neat so i think it was fantastically done uh, for somebody that may not be that deep into the motorsports uh i think it's an interesting story and well, i think they get it there there was a handful of things that were in there like the one thing that I didn't realize that was part of this story was it how instrumental Lee Iacocca was. I mean, he was the one who said to Ford, let's go racing. And, and when that was so good, I had goosebumps during the Iacocca speech when he was talking to Henry yeah. Ford II, and uh, uh, that was amazing. And, and like the, the guy who played Enzo, his the actor with that deep, intimidating voice, it was just perfect. And Henry Ford II, the actor... Yeah. How, how how just picture perfect for that yeah. role. Big, just this big burly guy, overweight, but just a commanding Business, voice. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, like I said, there were a lot of things about that that uh, through, the, through the various articles and stories I had read uh, definitely displayed it well. And something that struck me that I was actually talking to Price Cobb about after the, after the movie was when, uh, when Miles and his son were talking, they were, they were out on the airstrip, and they were talking about uh, being treating the machine the way you had to, you know, because at this point Miles didn't get the the ride the first the first try, and and I was thinking today's cars, you know, don't you know you've been there? I've souped up a car to the point where it is overdone, right. and you know something's going to break if you don't treat it just right, and you know how far to take it. You know you can almost feel it or yep. hear the mechanical whatever. And that's what they got that so perfectly right. They they their movie captured that that feeling of the way mechanical things were at that time, and you know, and, and probably are still to some degree. But I mean, look at the twenty four hour Le Mans now; it's a twenty four hour sprint race rather than a, a race of attrition. Yeah, and uh, I had somebody ask me about the Ken Miles Carl Shelby relationship, especially uh, one scene where they're punching each other and all that. Uh, yes, that was very much kind of their style of dealing with each other's conflict uh, that it did turn physical uh, several times in public. <laughs> That's just the way you did it back then, man. That was, That's right. that was the sixties. And apparently we changed. <laughs> yes. We're all wimpy now. Is what yeah. you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Politically correct. I think is it. Uh, 
Okay, I'm just going to just touch on today's race a little bit more. You know, we've talked about Verstappen winning, Gasly second, Hamilton. We still don't have an answer on that penalty. Hamilton third, and uh, Carlos Sainz coming from the back to be fourth. But um, so Lando Norris uh, and Sainz finishing the points. So I wanted to look at the constructors' championships, the standings as well, because um, it was. I mean, it's we've, with one race to go. I mean, it was it was pretty tight, tighter than I was thinking with McLaren and Renault and Toro Rosso. I think really the tightness is between uh, Renault and Toro Rosso. So there's uh, that's still to play for for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, the season's not over. Yes, the championship has been determined for the driver and the manufacturers, but there's still others back there, and there's a lot of money at stake in one or two spots in uh, either the driver's place or the the manufacturer's championship. So, uh, you know, it's, it's the best of the rest or formula 1.2 as Gene says. <laughs> and, uh, what do you call it? 1.5 is 1.5. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, and Gunther called it, uh, GP one. Yeah. I don't know if you heard that in that yeah. interview. So, uh, it's still there. We'll see, uh, you know, there's still reasons to watch it the rest of the year. Hey, there's been some news this past week. Of course, uh, we alluded to it, but of course the, the, uh, Red Bull team deciding that Albon's the guy. And then, of course, the Toro Rosso team saying their two guys are the guy. And, man, after the announcement, I thought Kvyat might have some confidence, but he, he had a pretty poor weekend. But um, but there's been – I mean, really, that leaves the one seat at Williams officially, right? But as we probably – as we've heard, probably going to fill that seat is Nicholas Latifi. And we actually have a cool little clip from Nicholas Latifi because um, this was this clip we did was right before Austin, and uh, he was just we were talking to him about the possible ride. And let's hear from Nicholas Latifi. Let me ask you this because obviously I'm guessing uh, you know George pretty well from GP2, and obviously working with him and doing simulator work, whatever else. Um, but there is that opportunity to be his teammate next year, uh, and I, I know you're waiting like everybody else uh, to see if that comes to be. But how how good a relationship do you guys have, and and do you see that as being a, a good combination? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely get on with George uh, quite well, as you said. Uh, you know, last year we were racing against each other in Formula Two. Uh, prior to that, I've never raced in the, in the same series as him. Uh, but yeah, we weren't teammates last year, so uh, let's say not. You know, you're always, I think, the closest with your teammate as you spend the, the most time with them. But yeah, we got along very well, very friendly, and uh, you know, especially this year, the, having the, uh, the opportunity to work a bit closer together. Uh, yeah, I think we have a good, good working relationship as well, as a good like, personal relationship on a on a friendship level. So uh, yeah, should should we be teammates next year? I mean, so secret, my goal is to to arrive in Formula One next year. I think we would, yeah, make a very good pairing both for the the, the working relationship for the team, but also yeah, just on a personal level. And do you, I mean, like you said, we, we mentioned already, you've got lots of experience in, in other teams. Do you, I mean, if an opportunity with another team came along, would you take it or would you stick with where you are with the Mercedes connection and so on? Um, and do you feel more comfortable with, with, with what you're, what, you know, the package that you're working with? I know Williams want better results, but, but um, you know, it's going to be, uh, it's not a bad time to actually be joining a Formula One team as a driver, is it? Yeah, definitely not. I mean, you know, so far this year, I mean, my first, uh, uh, yeah, first experience with the team. Uh, I'm very happy where I am. I feel very comfortable uh, in the team environment. You know, right from the first, uh, you know, day at the factory, the first day on track with them. You know, everyone from the mechanics, uh, communications, media team, uh, hospitality, engineers. You know, just everyone very welcoming. And you know, I felt I feel like I fit uh, fit in quite well here. So you know, I'd be very happy to uh, you know to graduate to a race seat with them. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, we'll have to see what happens. <laughs> So that's going to be interesting to watch to see if that happens. But we have a little bit of breaking news here, and that's kind of what we've been waiting for. It's Tuesday already? It's Tuesday already. <laughs> breaking news. Hamilton gets a five-second penalty for the Albon collision, demoting him to seventh place. Carlos signs on the podium. Now, is that his first time? I believe it is. Yeah, I think it is. Yep, that's Carlos Sainz's first podium in Formula One. So yeah, but that's a that's such a huge deal for Hamilton to uh, to get penalized. Yeah, I, I guess I have to agree with that. But I still don't like the fact that 
that that window was left wide open. But all right, well, we've got to wrap it up, guys. We uh, we appreciate it. One last quick little thing I do want to talk about that you know Jonathan was down at the Macau Grand Prix. We had an American racing in that Logan Sargent, and he went into the weekend and with I didn't really have any expectations for him. Well, he qualified um, in sixth, and he ended up on the podium at Macau in the Formula Three race. That's Fantastic. a huge deal for. Our American, our our lone American entrance entrant in the Formula Three, and, and you uh, know what? This Wednesday, we're all going to get together and celebrate that at Circle Brewery. That's right, Speed City Roadshow. Yeah, come on, come out. on out. Yeah, check our uh, check our website. We'll have all the information. Check our Facebook and Twitter, and we got to take off. We'll talk to you next week. Ciao, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.